Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Manuel, you do me a favor. Can you turn me down just a little bit because I'm loud. Amen. Praise the Lord. I don't want to blow your ears out. Praise God. Good evening. Let me go ahead and come down here and look at everybody. Praise the Lord. Well, I'm honored today. Amen. I'm really blessed to be in my pastor's house. Amen. Praise the Lord. Come on, give the Lord a hand up praise for Pastor Edgy and Sonia. Amen. I'm, I'm grateful. Amen. I believe that uh, we give honor where honor is due. Amen. So tonight, we're going to break down the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And you're going to get some scriptures. Turn to your neighbor and say, get ready. How many know that we should not veer away from the word of God? The word of God has to be our staple. What do I mean by staple? It means what you feed on. Amen. How many know in order to be able to do what God has called you to do, you're going to have to feed on the living God. Amen. And the word of God is what enables us to be who God wants us to be. Remember how you used to look? How many know we've been cleaned up? Amen. And that God has cleansed us and washed us and sanctified us and said, come on, give God some praise. That's a good place to praise the Lord for your salvation. Amen. I'm also grateful tonight that I have my beautiful wife and my daughter here. Amen. Can we give God some praise for them? Amen. Pastor Melody and my daughter, Cynthia. Amen. How many know it's a blessing when you have your family with you serving the Lord? Amen. That they're able to stand with you through the trials. Amen. They're able to kick you in your butt when you need to get out of the boat. Praise the Lord, which my wife does often. Amen. But if you would tonight, I want you to turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 3. Amen. We're going to jump right in the word of God because I know that I'm on a time limit. Amen. And we want to be obedient to the house of God. Amen. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, uh, as I turn and, and get my timer here. Amen. How many, uh, how many um, grew up in a uh, household where your mom and dad were in the house? Both parents. Can you raise your hands? How many grew up with just one parent in the house? See the majority of us, amen? So the thing is this tonight, is, and I want to take some time with you, is uh, getting an understanding that how many know that as Jesus Christ has saved us, uh, we know that he's gone before us, amen, on Calvary Hill, and he paid the price that we couldn't pay, amen? That he's also our uh, director. He's also our guide. Amen. The Bible says in Psalms 119 that he's a lamp to our feet and a light to our pathway. Amen. So the word of God is enlightened through us and he guides us. He protects us. He feeds us. Um, he, uh, rebukes us. <laughs> Hello. Some of y'all on discipline right now, maybe. Amen. Praise the Lord. He disciplines us. He corrects us and he instructs us in righteousness sake. Amen. So God is the one that we turn to, that we look for. But how many know, and the title of this message tonight is follow the example of the shepherd. Follow the example of the shepherd. And, and, and I want to bring things down kind of like in layman's terms into earthly sayings, amen? So I don't want to shoot over you so that you can't take this with you, that when you go back and look at your notes that I know the men's home, hello, men's home, praise the Lord, they're awake. Oh, women's home. Okay, they're awake. And I know you're taking notes, but what good would it do if you went back with your notes to your dorm or wherever and you didn't understand them, amen? It doesn't make any sense. So we want to bring it down, amen? Turn your neighbor and say, bring it down a little bit. So we find here in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, the Bible records, it says, this is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop then must be blameless. The husband of one wife, hello, vigilant, 
sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy, a filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? That's a question mark. Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, tonight, God, already uh, for you saturating with your Holy Spirit. Uh, we, we can't be who we, we, we need to be without you. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Fill me up right now and speak and sound as one crying in the wilderness. In Jesus' name, all those things to God say, amen. So you raised your hand a while ago and you put yourself on blast and said that you had a mom or a dad or you had one or the other in there. And uh, most likely I grew up, anybody grew up in the 70s here? I grew up in the 70s. I'm giving my age up. No one grew up in the 70s there. I'm alone. Okay, praise the Lord. Thank you over there, sisters. So... I was a latchkey kid. I had, they call latchkey kids that we would have a key somewhere hidden that, you know, mom and dad weren't home. And you came home and you had to find the key or you wore the key around your neck. You remember that? To get in the house. Or you went through a, a ventana, you went through a window or you broke in. I don't know how you got in, but I know that, that, that those were times where, you know, I was left alone a lot. Amen. And this is back in a time in an era where, you know, the kids were getting kidnapped and they're putting them on the, the milk cartons. Y'all remember that? They used to have the faces on the milk cartons. It was like really sad. You eat your cereal, you see kids that are missing. You're like, oh, you know. It starts to make you think twice about going outside, amen. But I didn't have no one to instruct me. And how many know that we need instructors? And as we read right now that I want to break down this scripture as the Lord gave this to me, we need to understand that the bishop is translated as an overseer or a superintendent in, the, in, in Greek. Or he's someone that, uh, uh, directs you. In some cases, they can be kings, we see in the Bible. But the shepherd is the direct, if you're writing this down, he is the direct representative and pastor of the church or what they call the bishopric. He is the one that God ordains to be the reflection of Christ to present the body of Christ. Watch this now. Blameless and without spot or wrinkle in the day of the coming of the Lord. Amen. So watch this now. So we know that Jesus Christ is the shepherd or the bishop of our souls, the Bible says in 1 Peter. But how many know that your pastor, our pastor, amen, and the pastors that are here that are over churches is the direct representative from heaven on earth. So this is what we look to. Are you, are you following me? This is why it's always hard for me when people say, well, unless God speaks to me, I ain't going to do it. Unless the Lord comes down off of it. Are you kidding me? How many know that the, the pastor or the bishop, or the shepherd of our souls has been sent here to guide you and give you guidance as a reflection of the love of Christ that's in heaven. Amen? So, he is, nonetheless to say, the example. He is the one that protects. He is the one that feeds us. He is the one that waters the sheep of the flock. Amen? So, I want to take you down a a little history uh, lane here real quick. Uh, For the sake of time, I want to Kind of fast forward because I got three examples for you in the Bible. But after the death of King Solomon, 931 BC, Israel was divided into two kingdoms. They had the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. While both kingdoms failed in their faithfulness to the Lord, Israel chased after other gods even more 
than Judah. How many know that when I was left alone and my mom and dad weren't around when I was little, they told me, don't ever go out of the house. Stay in the house. Don't leave the house. And what did I do? Hello, somebody. I would always go out the house. Amen. It was always fun. I was like, ah, oh, I'm going to sneak out. They're never going to know. And they always knew when I got out too. And how many know? Because I was always getting in trouble. Amen. Well, here we find the children of Israel, they forsook and they chased after other idols. How many know the saying is when the cat's away, the mice will play. Amen. So in 7, 722 BC, the Lord judged Israel through the destructive power of Assyria. The Israelites were scattered with thousands taken captive. This was the end of the northern kingdom. Though God had judged Israel, he had not completely given up on his faithless people. Oh, Israel, he pleaded, pleaded through Jeremiah, my faithless people, come home to me again, for I am merciful in 312. The Lord promised to bring the Israelites back to their land if they would only what? Return to him. Moreover, he pledged, I will give you shepherds after my own heart. Hallelujah. Who will guide you with knowledge and understanding in verse 315. These shepherds, these rulers of Israel, will will um, will be unlike the shepherds of Jeremiah 2.8 who ignored God's word and turned against him. Now watch this. In our churches today, amen, we usually think of the shepherds as the ordained pastors, uh, and rightfully so, the word pastor is based on the Latin term for Shepherd, amen? So we find out that in Jeremiah, the shepherds of the people are not simply the religious leaders. In fact, they are the kings most of all. Now watch this now. Didn't the Bible tell us that that he made us, uh, that we are seated in heavenly places, that we are a royal priesthood, that we are kings and queens? Hello, somebody. Uh, you need to start to, to, to start to get the, 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 and fill in the gaps of this picture that God's trying to paint for you tonight. Uh, the reason being is that you have been called as a shepherd as well. It's not just the pastor's job. Many of you, if you, you're leading somebody in your house, you have children, you have a wife, husbands, you need to stand up and be accounted for because God has called you to be kings. You have a direct representative in front of you to follow that, that Paul, the apostle Paul said, follow me. As I follow Christ Jesus. I'm not saying that Pastor Edgy and Pastora Sonia are God. I'm not saying that the pastors in this church are God. But I am saying that God uses the shepherds. And that means that he wants you to be a shepherd. He wants you to stand up in your rightful place. And not have a divided heart. So we find here. To be truly effective. And to be godly leaders. That no matter the setting. There will be people whose inner lives have been shaped by God through his word, his spirit, and his community. In fact, these are the kings that are spoken of. That anyone who has any position of authority in church, watch this now. If you're you're taking notes, write this down. If you have any position of authority in a church or godly leadership, no matter the setting, will be people whose inner lives have been shaped by God. We have to understand that this is the position of authority that God has given to us in our businesses, with our family, with neighborhoods, volunteer work. This is a kind of shepherd that includes most of the body of Christ. See, it's always easier to pass the buck. It's easier to say, well, that's their title. That's their position. They're supposed to do that. I'm all for playing your position. You're a pitcher. Be a pitcher. You're not a catcher. If you're left field, stay left field. Hello, somebody. But I'm also for being ambidextrous. Do you know what that word means? That means you can go left or right. Amen? That you're always at the ready. That if they call on you that I need you to go clean the toilets, then clean the toilets. Half of us in here wouldn't even go clean the toilet. We're told to do it. What's in it for me? We have to be reminded that as 
Someone desires. It's funny when people want office, amen? They want a, they want a title to do something, but yet they won't clean the toilets. They won't mop. They won't do the dirty work. How many know you got to follow before you can lead? You got to do the least of things. Christ said, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. Ah, he's talking about the bishops. He's talking about the shepherds. He's talking about you and I. Turn with me uh, tonight to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 28. Turn with me there real quick. We're in a Bible study, amen? Bible study. Praise the Lord. How can we be, let me ask you this, how can we be good shepherds who care for and lead well those in our charge? First and foremost, we must be shepherds after God's own heart. The phrase translated as after my heart in Jeremiah 3.15 means literally like my heart. In, in Hebrew, it means kalibi. So you can write that down however you want to, you know, write that down. But it means to have God's own heart. How are we ever going to be, have an impact or be effective in the ministry or the house of God when we can't do it, you know, with our children, in our marriage, on our job? See, we hear these things, but yet we fail to, we fail to see the importance of it. That Christ came and died for you and I, every single person in every single occupation. So in other words, it would bleed, oh, come on now, into every place, amen? That he's causing, you know, something to take place in our hearts. I feel it in this generation that's coming up that this is an Elijah generation. This is the Joshua generation. These are the David generation. These are the men and women that are rising up that understand they don't want the traditions from before. They don't want the junk that was force fed. They want the real deal. They want the Holy Ghost. They want the move of God. They don't want just the goosebumps. They want the serious, the serious, the real, uh, we call it the full meal deal. Amen. How many know in order to be able to, 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 to feed on those things, you got to get up and go to the table. All right, I'm going to leave that alone. First Samuel 17, 28. So we see here, it's a great example. Before I read the scripture, we all know the story of King David. King David was anointed as a, as a young child, amen? He was anointed, and one of the things that God was showing me about, he had a shepherd's heart, that he was in the field when the prophet Samuel came to anoint him. He was always in the field, amen? I love it. He's, where, where is David? David's out doing what he's supposed to be doing. David's doing what you won't do. He's out picking up the boo-boo from the sheep, He's out there cleaning them up and making sure they're protected and spending the cold nights. And, 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 and in those moments is where we see the, the book of Psalms was cultivated because he had a heart after God. I wish I could preach this tonight. First Samuel 17, 28 says, And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why comest down here thither? This is King James. And with whom hast thou lest? Those few sheep in the wilderness, I know thy pride and thy naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou might seest the battle. I came kind of backwards there, but I can bring it home with you. Listen, Eliab was there when the prophet Samuel came and anointed King David. He was the oldest brother. That when Samuel came after he was so brokenhearted because Saul, he wanted him to be king so bad because he looked the part, he acted the part, and he was anointed to do it. Have you ever met someone that you looked up to back in the day and they ended up falling short and it broke your heart? You're like, dang, man, she had to, I wanted to be just like her. I wanted to be just like my dad or my uncle and they let me down. How many know the people will let you down? But how many know that God, he told Samuel, quit looking. When he went to look for David, 
after the appearance on the outer. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm the last person God would choose to do what I'm doing right now. Promise you. He could have took some rich guy up on the hill, had a lot of money, and he could have done a lot, been a lot more effective. But how many know he probably went to that guy, but that guy wouldn't see you got to be willing. It's not your, it's not your talent. It's not your gifting. It's not your pedigree. It's are you willing? Will you be obedient when it comes your turn? So King David got anointed as a young youth and his brother was there, Eliab. Samuel looked at him and he says, oh man, he fits the part. He said, he ain't it. That ain't the one. Next. And when all the line found King David out there, so here we find here on the day, watch this now. When I, the scripture I just read, Eliab, his oldest brother, was angry with him when his father, King David, sent him up. Y'all know the story of David and Goliath, right? Everybody knows it. Okay. When he showed up, he was just being obedient to what his father told him. And what happened? Eliab got mad. And as a matter of fact, if you've ever been around people, or maybe if this has even happened to you, that you got envious and jealous, that you would rather the whole kingdom of Israel fall apart. Hello, somebody. Then King David get the glory of going up there and killing the giant. Eliab was angry. He was mad. Listen, if you're upset with someone that's around you, that there's an anointing on, that God has called them, you need to get your heart right. You need to get your heart right because that's not the reflection of Christ. God is looking for people who would be nameless. Ah, Right here we see that he tells him, what are you doing up here, man? You just want to come up here. I know your pride. You just want to come up here and be nosy and see what was going on up here. And as we heard two or three weeks back, Pastor Agee said, is there not a cause? He understood. He was just up for the challenge. So you just got to make yourself available. When you make yourself available, it's because God can use availability more than ability. When you come with all your abilities, that's where God says, I'm going to overlook you, Eliab. Because I know your heart. Second example, go to Exodus chapter 3 real quick. We've got, we got a few more minutes. So let me roll through this. Exodus chapter 3. This is where we find Moses. We all know the story of Moses. Amen. Wave your hand at me if you know the story of Moses. Everybody does. Wave your hand. Praise the Lord. Thank you for, for participating. Moses was seen. He was raised up with pedigree. He was raised up in Pharaoh's house. We know the story. He killed a Hebrew uh, taskmaster, an Egyptian taskmaster, rather, and ended up on the backside of the mountain, we say. And it says here in Exodus chapter 3, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. Now stop. What was he doing? Keeping the flock. I'm going somewhere with this. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. So we find here, 40 years Moses was back there with Jethro's flocks, amen? He had gotten married. He was living a life. This is what blew me away. He was living a life while he was in the wilderness. Oh, hello, I can talk to you about this because I just went through five years of it. And how many know that it says in Deuteronomy when the children of Israel were in the wilderness, it says, not one time did your shoes fail. Not one time did your shirt be tattered. Not one time did you go without food or water. Hello, how many know that God is good with you? Even in the midst of uh, God creating something new inside of you and your character. But one thing's for sure. How many know the training ground is amongst the flocks? This is where we see true kingship. This is where we see true leadership. 
This is where we see mothers and fathers are bred. You're tending to the flock. That doesn't mean that you've got a church with people. It necessarily means that the people that are in your field around you can become a type of flock to you. Number three, go to Genesis chapter 29. I'm going to bring this home so you can get the full picture. While you're turning there, Genesis chapter 29, verse, I believe it's 16. One of the things that we need to understand is that in the process, in your process, how many know that you're doing something? You should be doing something. Faith doesn't mean that you just sit around. Waiting upon the Lord doesn't mean that you're just sitting there doing nothing. Waiting upon the Lord means that your faith is proactive. You are doing something. Can you imagine how many mothers do we have in the house? How many working mothers do we have in the house? And then you come home from your job and your kids are there and you're like, I can't feed you today. Mom, we're hungry. Mom, mom, mom. What's that commercial? Mom, mom. What? You know, anyway. In other words, there's things that have to be taken care of. And how many know that more often than not that this is the true proving and testing ground for us? How do we respond? How do we act? How do we interact with people? How do we talk? How do I, what's our attitude like? But we want ministry. I want to be a pastor. I'm a prophet of God. God's called me to be an event. Well, praise the Lord. How many of the proving ground is in your lifestyle? That's where you find out really who you are. You can't put the, the cart before the horse. Amen. Now, what did I say? Genesis chapter 29. Let me hurry up. Amen. Cause I'll preach to y'all tonight. I might get delivered, hallelujah. Tell your neighbors, he's talking to you. Genesis chapter 29. It says in verse 16, And Laban had two daughters, and the name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. And Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter, And Laban said, it is better that I give her to thee that I should give her to another man. Abide with me. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel and they seemed unto him but a few days for the love he had to her. We have to understand right here, even Jacob, his name was chained to Israel. We know the story. I hope you know the story. If you don't, you need to go read it. But right here, Jacob was serving Laban, his soon-to-be father-in-law, where? In the flock, in the field. He was a shepherd. See, we have to understand that shepherd... It doesn't just mean what you think, oh, that's the pastor and they're, they're anointed to do these things, which they should be. But what it should be is showing you an example of what your life should look like. Did you know pastoring is, to me, I'm going to tell you something, pastoring is greater than being the president of the United States. You know why? Because that's where God anoints his men and women right there to take care of his church, to take care of his bride. So if you can't take care of your own kids and your wife and your marriage and your father, then you ain't got no business. Are you following me? But God's saying, I want you to be proven and to do these things here. We're going to get into a couple more things real quick, but Jacob was, was willing. Amen. He had a prize before him. He loved Rachel. Amen. And how many know that we have a prize? Amen. How many, I'm going to be, oh man, I hope I don't get in trouble here. How many of you desire to be married one day? I always love to do this in the church. Shakes things up. Women, I, I saw hands go up. Yeah, be honest. Men, all their hands will go up, praise the Lord. It works every time. Then you need to be doing what you need to be doing right now, taking care of your business and getting yourself situated so you have something to offer that's a reflection of Christ. Husbands and wives meet together with Christ in the center. 
For the sake of time, I'm going to fast forward. Here are a few examples, listen, of some of the things that we should be doing in the game. Now go back to 1 Timothy, where we were in chapter 3. Let's go through that real quick. I have eight minutes. Compressed time, Lord. Compressed time. Amen? More often than not, I mean, sometimes women, they grow up and they have this fairy tale. They go, I want to be a wife one day. I want to have children one day. Because you grew up with your kids and they play house. I want to be the mommy and, you know, I want to have kids and all that stuff. Baby, remember that? And the men were all like, oh, I want to be the fireman. I want to be a cop. Or, never do I see kids go, I want to be a criminal. I never saw that, praise the Lord. I don't know if they do it now, but my kids didn't. I'd spank them. Oh, heck no. You're not going to be like your dad was, Amen. But how many know that there's something that we should be shooting for and striving for? In these scriptures right here, we find in 1 Timothy 13, 1, it says, uh, let me skip to verse 2. It says, a bishop then must be blameless. To be blameless means to be above reproach. That doesn't mean you're perfect. Noah wasn't perfect. Even though the Bible says that he was a righteous, perfect man, that means that he came into maturity. You should be growing right now, especially if you're in the home. You shouldn't be looking out. You should be looking in. Are you hearing me? And allowing God to do what he needs to do to cultivate you and to have a shepherd's heart. Oh, I could really dig in this. Watch this now. The husband of one wife. Hello, somebody. Hello, men. Only one wife. Glory to God. It says to be vigilant, to be sober of good behavior, given to hospitality and after teach. Not when everyone's around looking, that you actually conduct yourself to people speak of you often. They say, let me give you an example real quick. Pastor Reuben, okay? Now, me and my wife... Wave your hand, babe. Wave your hand. There she is. So we came as an independent church a year ago into living word. Amen. And it's been a family to us. Praise the Lord. Amen. Okay. But one of the things that, that I kept hearing everywhere I go preach, I hear about Pastor Reuben. And did you know that I've never heard one bad thing about Pastor Reuben? Never. It's always been, he's been graceful to me. He's full of love. He's, he took us in when no one wanted. Are you hearing me? That's a testimony. That's being above reproach and blameless. Okay. Not given to wine. You can't be a sipping saint. Hello. Amen. Not to be a striker. You can't be fighting. Amen. Oh, hello, sisters. I'll come over here because y'all, y'all scare us. I know the women's home. Amen. They'll be like, poof, poof, quick. What's up? Right? It's that quick too. It's like, poof, poof, they got a chunk already. You can't fight. You can't be fighting. How many know that God has to, sometimes he has to ride us and beat us down so much to get the fight out of us. He can finally fill us up with something that's, that's worth something. Amen. We can't be filthy. Hello. We can't be greedy. We can't be covetous. The Bible says that one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity, And it goes on to say, how can you be effective? How can you have an impact? How can you be someone, or put it this way, the Bible says that you're either a good tree or you're a bad tree. You can't be both. You can't be in between. So here it is, is that what type of fruit are you? Are you edible? Are are you edible? Do people want to be around you? Or are you nasty like the food we got a while ago? My wife was complaining about. We went to Wetzel Pretzel and they had this weird cheese in it. She started grossing us out. I don't think this is cooked. I think this is just, are you like that? Are you just a bunch of dough? Amen. That no one wants to be around. Hello. Nasty. I'm, just, I'm not talking about your breath. 
I'm talking about your odor, who you are as a person. You're always negative. You're always griping. You're always arguing. You always know everything. You can't be told nothing. Are you teachable? Because if not, guess what? I promise you this. If your pastor or your leaders are kind of backing up from you, that's because God is pulling them back because God pulls back too. Oh, try me. In the, shh. He will. He'll back all the way up. He loves you from a distance. I love you, but I got to back up from you. It says that we're not to be a novice. And this word novice means that we're not to be poor in knowledge and wisdom and revelation. See, there's a lot of people that have a lot of head knowledge, but they don't know how to apply it. Just because you know a lot doesn't mean you're somebody. How many know that more often than not, I found the person that's meek and humble has the most grace, and he's the one that you would less expect to do something is the one that God uses. He says that I give grace to the meek, but I resist the proud. How many know that the majority of you men and women that are here tonight, not just the home, because some of you know what I'm talking about too, it's your house, full of pride. Moses, the Bible says, was the most humble man that walked the earth. Huh? The most humble. Can you imagine being the most humble? Can you imagine actually bowing down and letting somebody else be right for the sake of being wrong? That we give up our right to be right? How many know this is the reflection of Christ, the bishop of our souls, the shepherd that's led us, that went all the way to Calvary Hill, that shed his blood, that died on the cross, that was buried and resurrected and ascended for you and I, and still to this day prays for us continually. Oh, that sounds like a pastor. That sounds like an example that I could follow. And as I close with this, as you stand to your feet tonight, I hope you got something. Hallelujah. I'm right on time. Well, this timer is good on my phone. I never use it. <laughs> if they tell me I don't have to use it, I won't use it. Amen. How many of you know that goes anywhere? Any preacher love to preach the gospel. You know why? Because just like you're getting it, we're getting it too. You know, fills us up. And, and, and how many know it's a blessing to be used by God? But how many know it took a long time to get to the place to be used by God? Mm. Be patient. Turn your numbers to be patient. Turn with me to First Peter as the worship team comes up. Verse 5. 1 Peter 5. I'm almost done. First Peter 5, verse 2. The Bible says, Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Neither is being lords over God's heritage, but being ensembles to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Now we take these scriptures, and on the outset it looks like they're just talking to the pastors of the churches. But how many know those pastors weren't always pastors of churches? That they were just like you and I. They were part of the congregation. And that God had a mold and shaped them. But they were, they were shepherds after God's own heart because they, they, they tended to their husbands right. They tended to their wives right. They tended to their children. 
they were raised up like little Davids, that they were willing. How many know that we have the, the awesome opportunity to raise up a household of people of faith, people of prayer, people that will go on and that will do what you can't do, but you enable them to get to the place that God wants them to be. How many want to see their children go further than themselves? Jesus loves his children. He says, in greater things shall you do than I. I desire that you follow my example. I desire that you be like me. Now, if pastors get up here, and I can say this for Pastor Edgy because he's not here. I would love for, for pastors and evangelists to come in and say stuff that I can't say. And one of the things that I can say tonight is, you have a good pastor, and if you'll follow him and follow the example if you'll allow God to do the work that you need to look, you, if, you, if you keep your eyes on man, I promise you, you're going to fall short. I'm talking about the spirit of Christ that's in your pastors. Amen? We're blessed people. You know why we're blessed? Because we have shepherds after God's own heart. What are you doing in the meantime? Some of you desire to be in ministry, raise your hand. The ones that didn't raise your hand, you're already in it. Because you got a family. You got someone that's looking to you. You got someone that's waiting on you. There's someone that needs something that you got. Tonight I want to open up the altars. Because the bishop of our souls has spoken to us tonight to say, I want you to be like me. I want you to be like the leadership that I've left behind on this earth. I want you to be like your pastors. Not to mimic them and wear the same clothes and dress the same way and act the way they do. But as the spirit of Christ leads you in them, so shall it be unto you. These altars are open tonight. If you want to come and receive whatever it is you need to be that example tonight. Maybe, you know, God's pricked your heart. And he said, man, you know what? I desire to be more like Christ. I desire to be more like my pastor. I desire to be more like the leader. I want to be a good husband. I want to be a good wife. I want to be a good single person. How many of there's something in there for you too? Oh, if we could just see this. There's much for you. Hallelujah.